0: Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Current Yield. This is Grant's interest rate observer of the air. And I am Jim Grant with you and with me, as always, Eric Whitehead, who is sitting to my left. He's just rather informally today. is Eric, we're going to the Mets game. Yeah. After this uh, podcast, that's the truth of it.
1: Weather permitting. We don't care if it's raining. We're going to go, at least.
0: Correct. And uh, the great Evan Lorenz, who is the deputy editor of Grant's, is sitting across from me. And Phil Grant, from whom you have already heard, he's the Mets fan. He's sitting to my right. And on the long distance telephone from as far away as Finland, not... Not, mind you, not Finland, Pennsylvania. We're talking about Finland as Tomas Malinen, who we think is the clearest voice of reason in economics from the entire European continent. Yeah, that's that's the consensus here at Grant. So Thomas, besides being the clearest voice in economics in Europe, you're also the C- uh, CEO of GNS Economics Limited, an adjunct professor of economics at the University of Helsinki and uh, vice chairman of Euro Think Tank. So with all of that, we welcome you.
2: Thank you. These are uh, quite modest people, so that there is a lot of, I, <laughs> I always consider that to be an overstatement, but uh, <laughs> but thank you. I'll try to be the uh, voice of reason, of sure.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Well, don't mind me. I'm an American. We always talk big. So, um, yeah, that's yeah la- <laughs> <that's- laughs> But some of us also back it up, but not many of us. No. It's just, it's just a national trait. No. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, Tomas Malinin is here, first of all, because he's kind enough to make some time for us. And secondly, because we at Grants, we're reading our minding our own business. Reading Twitter, you uh, should have been reading something more substantial, perhaps. Except on this Twitter thread is the clearest expression of uh, enlightened doubt concerning the doctrines and protocols of modern economic, uh, specifically macroeconomic thought, by our guest on the phone, Thomas Malinin. And I'm going to read you a few excerpts, and maybe you can join in our excitement. This wonderfully clear. Strain of thought. All right, so here it goes. I'm now quoting our guest, Tomas Molinen. Economics, more precisely macroeconomics, is in serious need of an overhaul. It's possible that we classically trained macroeconomics. Macroeconomists have been wrong for decades, but in the history of science, that's nothing new. That was what struck me so much. It was this, the statement of scientific integrity. For example, ladies and gentlemen, there's a, one of the founders of the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. Uh, I'll, name will come to me maybe about 45 minutes, but he wrote something called The Principles and Practices of Medicine. The first edition was published like 1890 something. And this is one of the great textbooks of turn of the century medicine. And he uh, did this author, uh, Osler, William Osler, Dr. Osler in his textbook, urged his fellow doctors to practice bleeding, and that was state-of-the-art around 1890-something. And the latest edition of that work, published, I think, in 1940s, still recommended bleeding, bleeding of patients in, uh, for treatment. So Thomas, is, is it possible that uh, that macroeconomics, uh, without quite realizing it, is caught in the same sort of, uh, of uh, intellectual dead end? Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, compared to medicine, which in its history has a kind of many, uh, it has been wrong many times. I don't think economics really or macroeconomics has not really been this wrong ever before. And that's that's kind of a problem. It's, it's really difficult for majority of us macroeconomists to, to admit to that, to say that we were wrong. The models we build are wrong. And so this is a, uh, I think that, that makes this an even bigger issue than, than in medicine where they have got used to being wrong and correcting <laughs> yes. their, their, uh, their recommendations and, and hypotheses and, and such.
0: Yes, Phil's mother and, and my wife, um, Patricia Cavanaugh, is a physician. And she relates the story of how the first day at medical school, uh, one of the professors says that everything you learn here is going to be proven wrong. And we, the problem yeah. is we don't know which half. <laughs> Evan,
2: you had a question yeah. for Target. Yeah, that's true. But, but thats like you said—that's the, the, the scientific integrity, integrity, basically. So and 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 well, macro like economics in in general it isn't it's not like it's not science like medicine in a sense. It's it's like a well, we are more in a kind of a humanities, sociology, and stuff like that. With a fair so, bit of physics I,
1: envy in there are thrown in as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. For sure, yeah. So, But but, but the thing is, that they, uh, that it's what I'm going, kind of getting here is that we, we have had many schools of thought in the past, and for some reason, which I don't actually know, probably, I'm not probably old enough, the, the kind of the standard neoclassical Keynesian school won the battle, and now we just have to think that or, or rethink the thing that maybe the other schools like the, like the Austrian school uh, had probably gotten certain things like the growth and the business cycle theories more right than the one we are following now.
0: But, but, so it, it, strikes, it strikes me that the, the practical expression of this crisis in macroeconomics, which you diagnose so well, perhaps is the uh, central bank's preoccupation, indeed obsession, with uh, well I was going to suggest that maybe the practical expression of this crisis in macroeconomics is in the central banks and their obsession with ever lower interest rates down through 0 into deeper and deeper yeah. negative regions yeah,
2: yeah for sure and the funny thing is that we already knew from the japanese example in the 1990s that cutting rates to very low or negative doesn't actually work as intended something else happens the, the economy kind of zombifies and all the academic res- uh, research that i could find were basically published between 2005 and 2010 maybe so we have we already had the knowledge that the zero interest rates QE They don't work. As, it, as intended. So we have the information when when the, when ben, ben Bernanke and others started this experiment. So we knew it, but they still tried. I don't know did they read the um, read the research or not, but still they went with it. And there was another problem, which is very much undiscussed in economics and in, in more generally, is that central banks are the biggest employer of macroeconomists, biggest single employer of macroeconomists in the world. They dominate. as they dominate the kind of the Intake of PhD uh, macroeconomists, they also dominate the thinking. So, this, this I, I don't know how relevant or how big of a problem is this, but, but it, it surely has dampened the critic, criticism towards central bank over the years.
1: Uh, Thomas, there was a great study by the U.S. Congressional Budget Office uh, that came out earlier this week that really reinforces that. What they okay, did is yeah. they looked at the um, the forecast of inflation from economists and also from just the general public. And what they found out that was since central banks have adopted inflation targets, economists have done much worse than the general public. And the reason being is that economists anchor themselves to the central bank's inflation target, whereas the public kind of looks at what they're spending money on. Yeah. How, how widespread is the sense that there's something wrong in economics when you talk to other PhDs? Is this something that it, people talk about like in at bars like after work, or is there a general sense of something uh, I
2: have become kind of an outcast on, on our progressive <laughs> Well uh, done, yeah. Thomas. During the last year or so, but there are the younger people like me, and, and even younger, the PhD students. Uh, there, there are certain people who are doubting this, and also some some professors, but they are we are few at the moment. And what really scares me is that not even at the bar discussions do the um, the actual... The criticism still lacks. It, it goes more on the defense. Why do you say this? Why do you criticize the central banks and stuff like that? Uh, and the people I know, of course, are a bit shocked because I was very much strained at the classical economist, I, I, I very much believed on the power of the central banks and stuff like that. When we did the, did the analysis on the, on the global economy and, and we started to really think about these things outside our academic work, we quickly realized that this is not going to work properly. And it, it was so clear like even two, three years ago, when there was no inflation and growth was anemic across the globe, and and rates were zero, and QEs were running, that the whole model doesn't work. It doesn't work. It, it there are the, the fundamental assumptions about the, the the idea, the assumption that the real economic growth or the or the growth fundamentals are a. Um, not connected with the central bank policy, this has been the, the one of the biggest things that we we have, we have uh, kind of uh, got wrong so uh, we assume that the, the interest rates do not affect or the growth prospect, but they do that's what the Japanese example show yeah. and this changes the whole game if, if If central bank meddling actually hinders the growth prospect of a real economy, then you need to rethink the whole thing starting. From how much do you cut? Uh, what, at what place do you raise and or cut interest rates? And even should central banks set the interest rates at all?
0: Right. So Thomas. So uh, the big one of the big questions is: uh, uh, Did interest rates fall, or were they pushed? That is to say, yeah. are today's interest rates the the pure function of a market-determined price, or are they the fruit of 10 years of not, almost nonstop central bank intervention? And if the latter, uh, where do we go? So, at Grant's, we have a—we, we, our belief is that uh, these lower rates beget lower rates, and radical mm-hmm. monetary policy begets even more radical pol- more monetary policy. But yep. we are not sure where it all ends up. Where do you think this cycle ends? Uh,
2: wait, up? Wait. There are only two offers: is that the central bankers realize their mistake or are politically bind to not to cut anymore, and the reset comes, and then you know rates rates rise and we have banking crisis and, and collapse and stuff like that, or then they really try to push them all the way all the way they can go, really low. Really and when it's really difficult to say how low can they go before the system breaks up now they are like you, there are I just before you call I know this is a, a story it was in Bloomberg I think about three big European banks arguing basically bleeding that that, that that do not cut the rates anymore because the profits are gone so there will be a, a a definite lower bound for the interest rates after which the banking sector implodes and we have the cry but The question is that your listeners and and, and we all should think about is that will Central Bank try to push it, push the rate to that limit? And we cannot answer that. We can only hope that they don't. If they don't, then the interest rate will correct upwards as as soon as uh, we have the the depression, I think. But the other option is that they'll really try to push the rates down all the way and implode the whole system. Uh, Tomas,
1: I noticed that there's a, um, a challenge in the in the German uh, constitutional court against the legality of uh, the ECB's um, uh, asset purchases program. Is that is that something that could yield at least a, a, a curtailment of QE in Europe or, or a, a push to still more negative rates? Or do you think that that will not end up being I'm, a factor? I'm rather
2: certain it, it will play a role because it, even if it accepts the current, even, even if the court accepts the current QE program, I don't think it will accept many more so it it, it might we don't we don't know how they decide but they might put a, uh, a, a limit, strict limit for the ECB to buy. And if, if the ECB goes beyond that point, they can order the Bund- Bundesbank to stop participating on the program.
0: Yeah. You know what the central banks might think of, Thomas is, uh, is hiring a new kind of person around these economists. And to do that, they might well check in with uh, our friends at Zip Recruiter. Perhaps if you are in the business of hiring people have had trouble doing so. I mean, this is uh, it's one of the features of our financial lives. The labor market is tight. So how do you find qualified candidates. Usually it takes a long time. Uh, Too many applicants, too many false positives. And this is where a zip recruiter makes it easy. Uh, Ziprecruiter.com slash grant will deliver you to the site that will tell you about how you can hire better. So ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. And here it is, ziprecruiter.com grant. That's ziprecruiter.com grant. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
1: Speaking of employment, there was a story that came out in Bloomberg over the weekend um, that the New York Fed forced out two of its senior personnel because the uh, president of the New York Fed, Williams, didn't get along with them or didn't agree with them uh, intellectually. When you talk to PhDs working in central banks, which are the biggest employers of uh, econ PhDs, how open are they to intellectual dissent or to new ideas? Are are they really that close-minded?
2: Actually, the the PhDs working at the central banks that I know are the most open-minded persons in private. (laughs) <laughs> this, this, this is a strange. Man's you know, although, eat, although, yeah, yeah. Although the uh, the sample is relatively small, but there are many critical voices within the Bank of Finland, for example, which they say in private in in uh, in, in in kind of absolute trust environment. But when you go to, you to talk to them in the in, in the public media, they they say the same thing. In in my experience, the most stubborn head economists currently are in the academia. But of course, in ten. For banks. They, they, they uh, The guys who run them are. They are selected there because they are, you know, behind the consensus. But the actual PhDs working at the banks are rather critical. At least the people I know.
0: Thomas, in the uh, Financial Times last weekend, was a signed op-ed essay uh, by a portfolio manager one of the European asset managers. And interestingly, the employer of the author of this piece. Uh, has the word prudential in its name. But anyway, the, the, the essay said that the central banks ought to give away money yeah. to people. Perhaps you saw that. So it's kind of a, a QE for the masses. And when you yeah. think about it, it's not so illogical. Right? I mean, the, the central banks now kind of materialize credit from thin air in which this credit they with which it, they, they, they buy assets from their friends at the uh, at the commercial banks. And it's mm-hmm. all within the financial system. And so the so why not give the money directly to the people? Is, well, is, is yeah, this, so, it, so
2: if you would start giving money to people, where would it stop?
0: It wouldn't. It yeah, would not yeah. stop. And
2: that's yeah. the problem. That's, and different verse of this has been tried, well, basically as long as there has been modern central bank, And it always goes the same way. You you start giving money to the people or the, the, the government which spends it. Then you have a short burst in economic growth. But then productivity starts to fall or, or other other kind of problems starts to emerge. And finally, you lose the trust to the money.
1: Well, I think that we've already seen uh, the productivity problem. There's been a number of good studies out recently, um, one that's uh, linked low interest rates to the growing uh, of oligopolies and monopolies, basically the cartelization of the economy and eventually lower productivity. And and it seems like the data is out there for anybody to, you know, work with. It just it doesn't seem to actually inform central bank decision making. No.
2: And and, uh, what could they basically do? I think they they might be too far in the rabbit hole to raise their hands up and say we, we kind of screw this up, because that would probably mean that they, they, there would be indictments and stuff like that. But the, the really positive thing is that the data and the research starts to be there. So after the, the crisis that is coming is over, we can hopefully build a, a new system, a new economic model, if you may, to, to govern our economies in the future. So that's kind of the bright the side of it.
0: Thomas is uh,
2: just so deep in it, so I don't, I don't see how they can just say that. Okay, we quit.
0: Yeah. Hey, uh, uh, you mentioned uh, the coming crisis. Hmm? Uh, These things do have a way of dragging their feet. They take their time. Do you see signs in Europe of a looming crisis, Thomas? Yeah,
2: yeah, it is. It's basically, it's all visible in Germany with the. industrial production slowing and, and the hinge of uh, Germany uh, falling into recession in the fall. And then there's the Deutsche Bank and, and the, the whole banking sector. So we are the uh, kind of the, uh, the, the, the powder, powder keg, if you may, of the global economy uh, at the moment. So when, when Europe goes, Eurozone goes, our banking sector goes, and all the rest will follow. So that's, that's how we see the situation at the moment. Uh, then that's Europe. Jerry.
0: Thomas, so how, 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 should, how uh, might one invest in view of uh, uh, these signs and portents? Uh, any thoughts well, on investing?
2: Yeah, yeah, we have actually a, a lengthy report in our website called "The Preppers' Ponger. It's published in June. But basically, you, you, I would be very, very of invested in 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 Europe. But the problem is that what starts here will, what was probably starts here, will not stop here. It will spread all over the world because of the uh, overvalued capital markets, basically. So, so that's that's how it will go. It will just start from Europe and then spread. So there are there are not going to be many many hiding places left for sure what
1: uh, what what makes <clears throat> excuse me, What makes Europe so different from Japan in the sense that uh, you know uh, zero interest rate policy has been around for two decades out there and it's uh, you know five years old in Europe.
2: Well, there are, I think the, it's the, well, there are several things. First is that we have a very di- diversified cultural background uh, uh, and environment. But there are political risks all over because Japan is just one country. We have a, many different governments, like uh, with different policies, like in Poland, Italy, Greece, even Finland, for that sense. Uh, and then with the, the banking sector, is, is in a very dire situation already. So it, it, Japan kind of it, when 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 there was a crisis in Japan in, in the 1990s, they handled the crisis basically by bailing everyone out and pushing the rates to zero. And in Europe, we had the crisis. We tried to fix the banks. And they, now the, now when there is another crisis, there we, we cannot use the same remedy again. So it, 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 it You can only administer it once, once like you did in, uh, like they did in Japan. But in Europe, this would be at the second time already. And I don't see how that could work in, in, in this current political environment. We, we should, there is, the thing is that, uh, we should, to, to, to get everything kind of solved, we would need to build a massive transfer union. Germany, Finland, all the richer countries should just give money to, to all the banks in, in Europe. Some wouldn't have to be uh, kind of uh, wound down, control but we would need a lot of money. A trillion euros probably do it, and there is not a single country who wants to pay for that. So there is there is no savior here. The ECB is fully engaged, and all, the government should come together and you know try sort to of hold this together. And I don't see that happening. The political cohesion that was used to build the euro is 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 very damaged at the moment, and it's going to the wrong direction actually.
1: Is there a good so, way? To bet against the euro if the euro is going to dissolve at some point?
2: <laughs> I don't know. Gold. <laughs> it's yeah. Because in, in the like there is not been if the euro really fails like we think it might. It's it's going to be the biggest currency shock ever. So it's really difficult to say how to how to hedge against it in the current env- environment. That's for sure. So not, not much other I can say about that. It, 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 it's going to be a really difficult situation. The so only, only thing one can do is, is, is prepare and, and keep a watchful eye on the situation because what's coming, the, the recession is starting and, and the crisis that is coming, it, it's going to be very exceptional because it's going to be global and there's, and there's going to be no help from the central bank. Uh,
1: Thomas, given your views on the Euro and the fact that you run a business in Europe, in what currency do you bill your customers? uh,
2: In Euro at the moment. We we just just have to, as long as Euro is there, we use Euro. And then we use, uh, after it's gone, we use the squirrel skins or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. We just hope that we- the uh, the European countries are prepared for the for the possible demise of Earth so that we can go back to uh, our national currency. But we really have to see how this plays out. But the risk that the euro is not here uh, in 10 years' time is, is, is real. And that has to be acknowledged.
0: All right. Well, I think this has been a a wonderful discussion and uh, a breath of fresh air all the way from Finland. So, Thomas Melendon, thank you for being with us. It has been, as I say, a delight. delight.
2: Thank you. It it has been an honor.
0: Yeah, good. Well, we feel the same way. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. And uh, on behalf of um, Grant's Interest Rate Observer, this is Current Yale, and I'm Jim Grant.